Ninjas vs. Monsters, starring Alexia, written and directed by Justin, is now available to buy at ninjasvs.com. That's ninjasvs.com. Or you can rent it on iTunes or Xbox or Comcast, wherever you do that stuff. So go to ninjasvs.com or rent it, buy it, check it out right now. Just check it out. It's even got on the DVD at ninjasvs.com a commentary that's basically a Trek off show with me and Alexia just talking over the film. So go to ninjasvs.com. You really want to see this one. Ninjas vs. Monsters at ninjasvs.com or rent it on Xbox, iTunes, or Comcast. Okay, enjoy the show. Warning, the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. It's time for Trek Off. Enterprise Double D. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. Um, I am uh, I'm going old school my friend Um, I am drinking Pinnacle Whipped right now in your honor (laughs) from back when we used to like actually get together and do shows Um, but now we have to do it over the the, we have to traverse the incredibly long distance like 15 minutes longer than it was before (laughs) but now it's really long plus there's snow it's a half hour longer than it was before plus there's snow right now yes lots of it yeah. Anywhere near the Washington D.C. area, we are getting hit with the big one today. Yeah. Um, so uh, I got we to go play and dance in it though, so that was fun. Yeah, I got to take the kids out sledding, and 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 it was fun. It was a, it was a trip. It was a lot of fun. Um, but so yeah, so it's March fifth when we're recording this. Um, welcome to uh, season four of Star Trek: The Next Generation. But first, the news. Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? <laughs> Harrison Ford has been in a plane crash, but he's okay. Thank goodness. Um, That's man, awful. That, that would suck. I mean, it would suck to hear that, you know, you know, I mean, it's like he crashed the Falcon. You know, what if it was the Falcon? Like, what if like a plane crashed and they're like, there's a plane that crashed. That plane looks like the Millennium Falcon. And they, they got him and he stepped out of it. And it was like Harrison for Han Solo stepping out of the Millennium Falcon. And like, you're like, like Joe Q public, like out and wherever he lives in Montana or wherever. And you're just like, did Han Solo just fucking crash the American, the Millennium Falcon here on my farm? <laughs> Did that just happen? <laughs> that just hold on. <laughs> Wouldn't that be some shit? <laughs> That's like what I used to like brag about to my like friends in second grade was happening when Michael Jackson also was coming over to visit and use the bathroom <laughs> and with me in the bathroom with him, which is weird in retrospect when I think about it. Um, too soon? Yes. Too soon with my MJ. Sorry, MJ. Too just soon. kidding. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, but there is also stick my foot up your ass. There is some sad news in the world of Star Trek today, um, and and it's weird because I have no connection with this, so it's not I'm not really emotional about it. But this guy is arguably as responsible as as Leonard Nimoy for the continued existence of Star Trek. Um, uh, I'm talking about a guy who uh, who has passed away today. Who um, who if not for him there would have been no con. If not for him, there would not have been... Like, let's face it, Star Trek The Motion Picture made some money, and it was beautiful, but it was generally considered to be an unliked, unwatchable film. People didn't like it. They weren't going to do any more. And this is a guy who took on the duties to try one more time on, like, a way lesser budget to do a movie that maybe it would work called The Wrath of Khan. Um, 
And I'm talking about producer Harv Bennett, um, who, if you watch the Star Treks two, th- uh, three, four, and five, you see a Harv Bennett production. Um, and he co-wrote Wrath of Khan, produced uh, three, four, and five. Um, and it, it, evidently, when he got the job, he went and he had, he had never really seen the original Star Trek. So he went and binged watched all 79 episodes and figured out what was it that made it work. Because the, you know, it's, I think it's largely true. And I think you'd agree that the motion picture doesn't capture that, um, the triumvirate, does it? I mean, yeah, they've got these other, yeah, it's there, but it's not, it's not as prevalent. Like it's, it's clear that the, uh, the focus is like, we're in space. Yeah. Look at the ship. Look, Look at the, the money. Visuals. Look at the money we got to spend Look on at this Star Trek. Chick who has no hair. Yeah. This um, other guy that you didn't know before, and we want you to think he's important. Like Decker. No, I love Decker. <laughs> I'm gonna be kind <laughs> of Decker. Just, I'm just saying. Like I just it that I feel like this was sort of the first time. Like, think about it. Like when you look back at the series, like everybody Unless you were part of like the the crew or the bridge crew, like you like someone who like mattered, you know what I mean? Like if you were a random ensign that went down, like you fucking died, you know what I mean? Like for the most part, or or you were about to die, or you were in a relationship with somebody on the ship that mattered, like Scotty. Like it just, you know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of how it was. And and then in this particular instance, and you know, instead of sort of focusing on the people that we know and love and having them go on an adventure, it was kind of like they had these other people involved that like you've never met before and you never hear from after that. And I feel like it muddies it up in some ways. You know what I mean? Well, and you know this, if you really think about where the motion picture left you, um, you know, it was, it was Roddenberry's wet dream, the motion picture. Um, and it was, it was ultimately, really, that was what he said. Like, it was like, that's what he said. He was coming out. And the the tagline, yeah, the quote they had, you know, Roddenberry's my dream. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's actually, if you look at the original poster, the scrapped original poster for the movie, <laughs> it was um, it was just uh, it was just a, a a shot of Star Trek boxers with like a wet stain in the middle. Stop. <laughs> Star Trek the motion picture. <laughs> um, uh, uncomfortably, oh, coming soon. Oh, um, no. Uh, yeah. Um, no, 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 no. So, so I mean. Roddenberry was pushed out and he didn't like where Star Trek went, but it's where Star Trek had to go in that he turned Star Trek into a military thing. Um, He made it follow naval military tradition and that carried through all the way, all the way till now. Everything we know of Star Trek from Star Trek to forward is sort of the brainchild of Nicholas Meyer and Harv and, and Harv Bennett. And and just like the way the crew interacts with one another, the the uniforms that they all wear, the the naval feel that it, that that it all had. That then Roddenberry, when he when he had Next Gen, um, like took that and said, okay, I guess that's kind of a good idea, and 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 did that too. So that that sort of naval feel that that it is. Yeah, had I just is- I never got the feeling though in a lot of it. Like I mean, if I, it, so here's the thing, and this is just sort of me, like it's not to bash the military in any way, but like it never the military lifestyle never occurred as appealing to me just because I'm sort of uh, headstrong and ask a lot of questions and I'm not really sure good at just blindly following orders. Like it's just not really me. Um, so it just never occurred to me as the kind of thing that I would excel at. Like uh, some of the stuff, like I would, like I always wanted to fly like a plane really, really fast. But I was like, I don't really think I can do the air force though. Cause I don't think I could do the whole military part. Sure. And so the, I just, I never got the feeling of you and Harrison Ford. 
<laughs> never got the feeling of that though from even though like I'm clear there's sort of a navalness there's sort of like there's sort of a military structure like I never felt military in that way do you know what I mean like well, I just think it was a great way to take because you like that that was just the structure and then yeah around like, that, it they, felt, they it felt like a military that I would want to be a part of and only very yeah. rarely were there times when I felt like they kind of had to follow a rule or they were just like told to do something from a higher up and were expected to do it and it was total bullshit like very that happened very infrequently um so it was like I didn't really have that same feeling like I couldn't fit in there I always kind of felt like I could totally I could go to Starfleet it would be hard and you know all the learning and the and the filling yeah. your brain and you'd have to be exceptional and and that part but like I was I always felt like it was I don't know more like being an astronaut I guess like, sure. I know that yeah. being an astronaut like there's certainly like you don't just go be an astronaut I don't think I'm pretty sure you have to be mil- well, at least you used to have to be military first astronaut um, sorry oh my there it is I have to do it have to do it. <laughs> I have to. No, there's a guy here with a baseball bat telling me I have to Stop. do it. His name's Dave. Oh, not. Oh, not. Dave. Oh, Dave. Settle down, sister. Sure. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what I was talking about. Anyway, listen. So Hart let's Bennett, go on. Hart, anyway, yeah, Hart, Hart, Hart Bennett. Hart Bennett um, uh, you know, there, he worked really closely with Nimoy. And, in, in, you know, it's been a bad week for for you know, for fans. And so, yeah, we're so taking a beat bring it out. Um, but you know, thanks Harv um, for yeah. everything you do, everything that you, you gave to Star Trek without you, Star Trek ended at, at a failed Star Trek two. Um, and because of you, we've got all the rest of the movies and the feel for next gen and DS nine and everything that went forward all the way into the Star Treks that we get now. A lot of it's because of your work. So thanks for your work, man. That's incredible. <clears throat> um, so, uh, moving on uh, to uh, to the um, grandchild, if if you can, of, of Harv's work. Um, we are talking today about Star Trek: The Next Generation season four. If you want to hear our opinions about uh, seasons one, two, and three, you can find it in our backlog of episodes. So please go take a look at that. Um, we're gonna we're going to gloss over a little bit of it, uh, specifically the um, the first episode of season four, which is Best of Both Worlds Part Two. Um, again, if you want to hear our detailed instru- like instructions, yes, if you want to know how to make the best worlds, um, if you want to, hear if you do de- want to know how to go ahead and have a podcast where you just shoot the shit yes. and say really nasty things and be really crass, no, you can uh, go back, go, go, go back, back to our backlog and no. you listen to it, and that's but, that the instructions are very detailed in there. There's a lot of talk of of sex bits and sex bits, and, yes. And this part you know, goes into that part. And, you know, there's detailed instructions on we how are, to do you, that. Somehow, it's we're either having sex or putting together IKEA furniture. We can't tell which. We're not but, certain, but 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 it's all purpose in that way. So really, it, the choice is up to you. This part is going into that part, and we're saying Swedish words. It's all we know. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we do talk about best of both worlds uh, in detail. Um, so uh, perhaps even ad nauseum. It's yeah. So I'm just going to start off. Uh, we're starting with Best of Both Worlds, Part 2. Um, uh, if you don't want to go back and listen, it is the continuation of the end of Season 3, which was a cliffhanger. Uh, Locutus of Borg. Locutus. Um, uh, Shelby wants to rule the ship. Riker doesn't want her to. Um, Picard is is brought back by Data. Sleep, Data. And and <laughs> the Borg are destroyed. I'm going to attempt to not just... F- 
hate and hate and hate and hate on Shelby, even though I fucking hate Shelby. Secta zero zero one, and that's <clears throat> that's, that's our our synopsis of Best of Both Worlds too. Done. Look Done. at that. Um, but can be succinct. <laughs> um, uh, and, well, or you can go listen to our two-hour review of it. Uh, um, but I will say this: um, it it leads us into the a very uh, a first for Star Trek: The Next Generation. In that, we're going to go immediately to episode two. Um, first of all, best of both worlds. Two, we like it. Uh, if you want to know what we kind of decided last time, we like it, but not as much as Best of Both Worlds one. But it certainly did its job. It was uh, it was an interesting episode. Um, it ha- I think that I think it's part two that has the shot of all the destroyed ships at Wolf three five nine, which is unforgettably cool. Um, and just uh, devastating. You know what uh, I mean? Like so, there's so much weight there. <laughs> like you're like fuck. But what's really cool is that episode two of season uh, season four of Next Gen is. The first time in all of Star Trek that you had a three-part episode, and we you kind of forget this one, but this one leads directly from the one before. Um, it will make no sense if you haven't seen Best of the Wor- Both Worlds Part 1 and 2. So for the very first time, um, you have a three-part episode, and people always look past this one. It's family. Um, I'm getting this from TV.com. Uh uh, Picard meets with his older brother in France and contemplates resigning his Starfleet commission after his ordeal with the Borg. Worf's adoptive parents spend time with their son of the Enterprise and succeed in embarrassing him in front of crewmates. Um, what an amazing episode this is. It is. I really feel like I'm having deja vu because I really feel like we talked about this episode a lot at some point. I think it was probably part of the best of both worlds. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I feel like I remember talking about Picard and, and, and his brilliance in this because, you know, Patrick Stewart, man, you know, <laughs> like, well, parents just, being called cute and like... You know, you know, when we talked about this, we talked about this episode when we talked about Generations because... because and we talked ah, about Generations, yeah, because this is the family the that dies in a fire. Yeah. <laughs> so don't you dare care about them because they will die in a throwaway line. Um, no, see, no, but see, that's not just because here's what happens, right? This is what they do on on TV and and in movies. If um they make you love something and then they fucking murder it. No, but they didn't murder it. That's the thing. It died off screen, and really, <laughs> and, and 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 really, all you get of of their death, like you spend this whole episode getting to know them and love them. You're hoping maybe you visit them again, and all you get is basically. This thing, they died in a fire. They burned to death in the fire. He says in the fire, which is weird. Um, in, in, <laughs> the, it, was, it was the only fire that happened. <laughs> On Earth that day. On Earth that um, day. It was just uh, there. It, the fire. It's known throughout it, the history books. One, I like it because <laughs> up to this point, you haven't spent a whole lot of time on Earth in the next gen era. And I love seeing France still being rural. And I love see- seeing that, like, we held on to a bit of that kind of old school. Well, and I, yeah, I love that there's that there are people, because like, I do believe this would be true, that there are people who do hold on to the the way that things were. Like, even to the point of being reluctant to, like, have the technologies. Um like it's really interesting it. because I feel like I, you know, you see a lot of these shows, like these reality TV shows, um, like where they talk, where they have people who basically like are like living out in the wild, like back in the day, like even now. Do you know what I'm sure. saying? Like yeah. they're just kind of like they live out in the woods, they make their own stuff, they grow their own food, they use you know simple you know tools. They don't have internet, they don't use technology, they don't you know have TV, any of that stuff. Um, and I just think that so the idea that there'd be people who live that way, who choose to live that way, there'd be pockets of that that still exist, um, is imminently believable to me. 
you know? I also love that, that you know, Picard is almost yanked away from Starfleet because uh, there's somebody who wants to go explore the oceans. Like, that hasn't really been done. Like they yeah, have, they, like, that still hasn't been done yet. Like and, and, and it makes yeah. sense because, like, we like the focus was always out. Let's go out. Let's go out. Let's go out. Why do we have to go in? We can settle anywhere now. We can do whatever we want. It's amazing. Like, we can explore anywhere. Why go into the oceans? And the idea that, that there is this frontier that makes up way more of Earth than the land um, that we haven't really focused our time on and that now we're really going to, like, and that that is appealing to I love, I mean, there's everything. Yeah, like, because I feel like that is totally, it's appealing to an explore. Like, because I'm, like, I feel like that to me is compelling as well. Like, if there's anything else I would want to do, you know, other than like go explore space, it would be to to find out what's down there in the depths of our oceans that we haven't even any concept of yet. Like I just, it's it's in- intriguing to me, and I totally believe that it would be intriguing to him too. I love that Picard breaks down. I love I love oh, his gosh. I love yeah. him wrestling with Good. his brother in the mud. Um, so much of this episode is great. I mean, just. You know, we're going to say this a lot about season four. Look, a lot of people think this is the best season of Star Trek The Next Generation. This or five. Um, so so if you just hear us a lot going, oh, it's so good. It's because it is. Um, you much, <laughs> it's like, quite frankly. You, do, you don't get much better than this season of Star Trek The Next Generation. It is just, you know, like I would put this up against uh, any of the seasons of, of Star Trek, the original. So, in fact, I would say, you know, you know I'm much more of a next I mean, I person. think you'd be wrong, though. Well, here's that. the thing. Here's the thing, though. I think I think that with next gen is just as a numbers game that I could go episode per episode for episode and match or beat the original series episodes. Because well, hear me out. Because the next gen has. I would, but you're saying nonsense. What what I'm hearing from you right now is womp 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 womp. Go ahead. Um, but I and I say that only because next gen has seven seasons worth of episodes to draw from. And because. Where well, whereas whereas <laughs> there are there, I could also decide to go for next gen's worst episodes and try and rank three seasons worth of worst episodes against uh, the original series, and next gen could also win there as being the worst. Just oh, because, that would definitely win that because because there, there, well, because just because there are so many episodes in next gen, but this is the season. This and five. Some people say six. I think it starts getting a little tired in six, but I think that four. It's just hard to get better than the season. So. You know, just be warned. We're just gonna jizz all over it. There's um, gonna be a lot of jizzing going. There's a lot um, of nerdgasming. Because we follow best of both worlds, and then we follow family with brothers. Uh, essentially, Data takes over the Enterprise, meets his father and Lore. Right. It's like the third, three in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Sure, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of Spiner in this episode. Um. That's not uh, a bad thing intrinsically, though. I love him. I do. Can can we uh, can we separate the episode into two different things? Because there are two different episodes happening here, um, and I I love the second episode, which is everything with with uh, Data, Lore, and uh, and Doctor Soong. Um, but can we just talk about the first half of the episode where Data takes over the Enterprise? Right, like it's 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 scary because you're like, like fuck. He like, could, could do that. Like yeah, like they would be fucked. You he's know not even. He's not even not doing. Equipped. The only thing he's doing that's all that special is is uh, being able to breathe without air, uh, being able to imitate a voice and move his fingers fast. Everything else is something that almost anybody could do if they were smart enough. Um, it's just that he has he knows everything about the ship. He knows the ship so cold. He just knows how to do it. And he makes 
that what makes data so much better than everyone else is that is that he makes no mistakes. Yeah. Like he just he the timing is perfect. Flawless victory. Like yep. Just, I mean it really is. Like it's just like game set match. Like they never had like they're scrambling steps behind him the whole time. Like they're never even close. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just like you y'all are fucked. <laughs> like, think- if that were to happen and it weren't for sort of the altruistic situation that it tur- turns out to be like to not be really like he's been, you know, made evil and is taking over the ship and killing them all. Like they're just lucky. And you know what I like about that? Like it feels old school to me because when you think about a lot of the original series episodes there are a number of times when they come up against something that they are just fucking beat you know what i mean like there's there's no way they could win like if the thing wanted to wipe them out they're fucking wiped out but like for whatever reason it turns out to be like a test or they were yeah. just goofing with them you know what I mean? like it's just like if but if it weren't for that thing like they would just be fucked that would be the end everybody would die and this, I also I think, think, is one of those moments. People talk about how, how Spiner plays three roles in this. I'll say he plays four because for the very first time that I've seen him, he plays Data as a robot. Data's a, Data is a robot when he when he takes over the ship. There are no emotions. There are no feelings. Yeah. There's no there's no personality. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, just, there's none there's of just the stuff the, that we've the seen from him. He's the Terminator. He's the yeah. Terminator. He's what he is. Um, and people this go, relentless. oh. He played these three roles, and I go, I go, really? Because what he played the first half of the episode is not something I've ever seen him play before. Um, it's great. Um, yeah. Then he get, then he gets there. He plays. Uh, first of all, great compositing work. You know, it's it's early compositing work. You can but tell it still looks some of the good. Yeah, it still looks good. Um, uh, the, you know, him as Doctor Soong. Um, I've always felt like his Doctor Soong was a little bit. To hello data. I I thought that was always a little showy, but I love him as lore. <laughs> I love lore. Um, a lot of people. He's all evil and mean, and you love. But that. a lot of people don't like lore. A lot of people like feel like it's 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 a cheap gag, the evil twin gag. You know, like on Bewitched, like same actor doing this doing their evil twin is an old TV trope. Um, it is. But I I think they do I, it well though. But I dig it. I love it. I love that trope. I mean, I love. I do too. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I, I love that trope. <laughs> it's just like you know what? Like, I don't mind tropes when they're good ones. You know what I mean? Like, there's some tropes that, like, no, you just shouldn't do that shit. But like, the evil twin's a fun one. They don't really do evil twin all that much anymore, do they? Like, you don't see that pop up. Like, I'm like, you don't watch. You don't watch Arrow um, and, and all these evil twin shows up. Like, same actor playing another like evil role. Of I guess that I, maybe so. It is true to me because I watch a bad show. And, and when you I'm watch not bad, not bad show, they have it <laughs> and they call it the doppelganger. It's really horrible. Um, the vampire diaries. Is, is oh, you know what? Terrible show. I don't watch it, but it's in my home. It's, it's in my awful. home. It's just Mrs., Mrs. J watches it constantly. And she goes, she goes, look, it's like, it's like a bunch of bad episodes of Buffy. Like, like those, those episodes. I, would, I, I think that's being kind. Like it's really, it's really but awful. She can't like, stop, so but she can't stop. I she the reason stop. okay, but my reasons are because the guy who plays Damien are really he's really oh, that, fantastic. She's been really clear that that's her reason too. Exactly. Like I feel for Ian, and I'm like I gotta watch for him because he he has to do this every week. I hope a plane. I, I hope a plane <laughs> lands on him. I hope someone drops a plane on him. What is wrong with you? Has nobody seen Lost? Yes, no we have. But he's in Lost. He's in he's Lost. Barely in Lost. Until he's they drop lost. a plane on him. You know, 
I'm not even doing this with you right he now. He was a big part of Lost. Are you kidding? <laughs> season one, he was a huge part of season one. He was the first. Ma- he was the first major character death on Lost, which was a tragedy because he's the best one. <laughs> on all of Lost, yes, yes, yes. A- I don't. Know, I just. I love him. I really do. He's and not the, the best. Show, and, and even though, and I started watching the Vampire Diaries though because I really liked the books. And that show is just, it's just awful. And they have this whole doppelganger thing and then another one. So they have even like evil twins and triplets and quadruplets and whole evil armies. It's ridiculous. So I don't know that trope, that trope is, is alive and well is really my point, but generally in bad TV, I don't know about good TV. I feel like it's not so much in good TV. Brothers. Do we like brothers? Do we love brothers? I mean, I like it a lot. Um, I, I, what I like, about it the most is is this sort of because i feel like there's definitely even though it's oh it's got the emotion chip by the way the yeah first time like there's the chip. there's a linkage here i feel like to the fact that we just the family was the episode before like in this in a lot of ways is is really is is data's family so like it's an extension of that thematically so in some ways it almost feels like a continuation of that arc you know oh, you kind of have to watch family and brothers to understand what's happening in generations you I do care. Because brothers has the the emotion chip, which is the other mm-hmm. part of generations. It is, um, and and I think that, but you also you get this family dynamic where they meet each other and they're you know what I mean, like and and they get to meet their dad and like you see some of the sibling stuff. Like I like that because it's interesting because he's created these life forms, so kind of seeing that is is really cool. I think anyway. Um, moving on to uh, the. Fourth episode. Uh, I haven't been doing the original air dates, but I'll do them again. Sorry. Um, originally aired Why do you o- suck? October 15th, 1990. Um, a little bit of a step down. Suddenly human. A custody battle could escalate into war when a human boy is sh- showing evidence of abuse is discovered aboard a Tolarian ship. Um, this is that episode where, uh, where, like, is there's this the this one with kid- Chad Lowe or whatever? It's the guy who like like wants to be River Phoenix so badly. He's like young and blonde, and and he's like, the only thing I love about this tries to kill Picard. Yeah, and then the dad the the dad is one of those actors you've seen a bunch. The the the, mm-hmm. the one thing that I love about this episode is that it's the one play one time, and we talked about this before when um when in our pop culture of the future episode. He listens to music that Picard hates. It's like, gang, 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 yes. gang, gang. And I love because everybody up to this point listens to like classical music and opera. And finally, you have a guy who's like, it's not rock and roll. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's just like, it's clearly something adults would hate. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I just love there's a guy who's essentially listening to Tolarian metal. I just love the idea that, and that Picard would rock in. And, You're not allowed to listen to that anymore. Crumpets. Um, and <laughs> wow, what just happened to Picard for you? <laughs> like, Hello, Crumpus. People are fantastic, which is really sad because we have a lot of British fans, and I'm really sorry. I'm really, yeah, really sorry. that you suck at it. Oh, oh. I'm sorry Mate, too. <laughs> you may not listen to that anymore. There we go. That's more. That's more Picard. It's more. really not. That's sad. That's or, really, or Mike, Michael Caine. Do, this is why you and Picard aren't friends anymore. Patrick Stewart doesn't think you do a good Patrick Stewart. The size, you don't the accept size of a tangerine. Stop um, it. Bye, bizarre. Um, <laughs> 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 all right. So, um, so it's really funny if you look on TV.com that we're looking at to look at all these. You see all the scores, and the first three are like nine point one. What? What? Like. 
nine, 9.1, 8.3, 8.4, 8.5, and they're all green, like meaning good. And then this mm-hmm. one's like yellow. It goes 6.6. Um, it is, look, it's it's not up to par. Um, I feel I like mean, there are, the, I feel like some of the themes are good. I feel like, like I feel like this episode's a lot though. I get, interesting, but I get I get this confused with the uh with the boy who wants to be like data, who imprints on data. Um and then the other boy who's grieving but Worf has to like talk to him. And the, there's a bunch of like kids in this world. It's shitty to be a kid in space. I feel like that I mean, I'm sure it is, though. Like, think about it. <laughs> like, it is probably shitty. To and none of those episodes are really bad. It's just that, like, I feel like the the that there was no new ground broken here. Um, the only thing that I did like, I is don't that know, the dad and en- the dad ended up not being abusive, and I think that that's was what I'm saying. Like, I feel like the 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 way the part that was interesting about it and that was very Star Trekky to me is that it makes you think. You know, like it it sort of gives you this idea that like. Just because you don't understand something doesn't make it wrong. You know what I mean? Like you're not living somebody else's life and like you're not a part of this these people's culture. So like you you shouldn't necessarily place your own values on it when you don't know. Like the guy loves his son and his son loves him. You know what I mean? Like and and I think that that's such an interesting thing to sort of make you think about because i think it's so easy for us to see other people's lives from the outside and to be like oh that's fucked up you know i I find like this episode and and many others from star trek help me you know go you know what just because i don't understand something and it doesn't work for me and it's not how i would want to live my life like i needed i need to stop putting a value judgment on somebody else's like if they're happy like it's not for me to say you know the, the other thing that's interesting is that this kid, you know, that this kid has human family who want to know him and stuff. And that's also interesting because there are no bad guys in this episode. It turns yeah, out. It's, it's hard that way because it's like you understand them just wanting Someone has to, know to lose here. Someone has to lose here. And you don't want to. And by the end, you don't want to. It's interesting, though, to go back to your point, um, right in the D.C. area, we, you know, D.C. is always in the national news, but not usually for the people in D.C., um, except the politicians. Um uh, but there is a national controversy going on about these parents, um, like 40 miles away from where we both live, um, who let their uh, six-year-old and their 10-year-old walk to a park like like miles oh, away. that whole and, thing. That's crazy. Um, um, and the thing is, is that you do get both sides. Like the idea of I let a six-year-old walk um, through a relatively urban area to a relatively urban park um without being there like there's a part of me that as a parent goes goes that's crazy like i could i i know my son when he was saying yes there was a 10 year old there but if that six-year-old had fallen and been injured there's not a responsible party like there is no responsible party if something were to have gone wrong there's just no one there um and especially in that area i mean it's I, I'm not sure exactly where in um, it's in Silver Spring, Maryland that's happening. Parts of Silver Spring are are really rough, and parts of Silver Spring are really beautiful. So I don't really know which part this was in, um, but I just know that like like when I hear 
one group of parents, and I've, I've heard both sides of this going, going, I can't, these parents definitely need to at least get their, like, get a little shake in their complacency to go, look, you can't let a 10-year-old be responsible for a six-year-old because that 10-year-old is not equipped to deal with it if that six-year-old has a seizure, if that six-year-old gets hit, hit by a car. If that's, there's, there's not someone, there's no one there even remotely nearby to deal with it. And then, of course, there's the other point of view that goes, that goes, you know, but somebody would show up. They're generally going to be okay. They're not in as much danger as you think they are. Well, and- I think, yeah, I mean, I think this idea that, like, if you wouldn't do it for your kids, fine. And this is, this is what I'm talking, this is exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Cause it's like, who am I to say? Who am I to dictate about their kids? Like, their 10 year old is very different from your 10 year old, from any other person's 10 year old. Like, just because they're 10, we make all these assumptions like, oh, they're only 10. Like, a 10 year old with a cell phone can dial 911 just like anybody else. Like, well, that know, the- kid could be really capable. We have no fucking clue. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know these kids. We don't know their parents. We don't know their family dynamic. We don't know how they work. You know, so like, for us to make a value judgment on the outside, like, say, that's not safe. Like, it's but not you know, safe they, for them they, to walk like a block. Like, how is that my call to make? They're not my kids. Well, the the thing is, though, is that and there there there's you know, it's all the what if scenario, right? So if these kids end up really really well rounded, and of course nothing happens to them, and you know, God willing, and and they 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 grow up and they're like, yeah, our parents let us go out there and explore the world, and we're strong. Then the parents are going to be applauded in the future, like the history tells, right? The history, sure. You know, um, and, and but if something were to happen to those kids. Then the question is going to be: Everybody knew that this was happening. Why didn't someone step in? You know what I mean? I, that, just, like, I that- feel like th- you can what if things to death, like in life. Period. Kids involved or not, like anybody, any person who's walking and in, in existing out in the world. When I think about the stuff that I did as a kid, like some of the stories Mr. A tells me, he's like, "Yeah, sure. there was this time I went to this this uh, trailer party. These people invited us in, and we went road like we went." Tra- with them out in the back like you know what i mean like and nothing sure, bad yeah. happened you know what i mean and it's like see like we don't like maybe we shouldn't assume that the world is a terrible horrible place and make and raise our kids to believe that and you know, and, you know just say, like or, or what i like yeah. what i like about but, this like, episode, i'm just saying it's your yeah. uh, it's your choice and that's what i like about this episode is it's like it's not for other people to say and i do feel sad because all parties involved genuinely love the kid and like, I think that's and look look what this episode just made us do because that that you know what good Star Trek does do is it makes you look at real life and you go you know in this you know the Silver Spring case you go you go everyone involved is trying to do the right thing and this is not even a judgy like type of like like I don't like you because you know the color of your skin or your car or your music like even the people that 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 are if you if you think that that people are getting involved too much the people who are getting involved really do honestly think they're doing the right thing for the kids and the, sure. and the people and the people on the other side also think so it's a bunch of people who everybody's got the Good best intention. intention and that's Absolutely. what i love about the episode is this episode is the same way is mm-hmm. the episode goes goes you know we can argue to we're blue in the face about who's right who's wrong about this real life situation but it's too personal and it's too hard for us to do because it's too real so what star trek does really well is they back it up and they go okay you're right we can't really talk about these kids because nobody knows this nobody knows what nobody knows what's really going on so what star trek does does and goes here let's take that we'll put it in space we'll show you what's really going on we'll show you all sides of the of the argument and we won't even tell you what's right and wrong yeah we'll make you ponder it 
Well, I'll and make you it, think about it. Consider and then maybe, it. and maybe later in your, may, later in your life, it will subconsciously affect you. So yeah, in that way, it's good, but it's not that intriguing. It's certainly not as good as the next episode, which aired on October twenty second, nineteen ninety. Arguably, one of my favorite episodes of all of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Remember me. Dr. Crusher begins to question her sanity when members of the crew start disappearing one by one and all evidence of their existence is erased. Um, so I'm going to... I can't gonna, let go of this. I yeah, can't. Yeah, wait, so let, we can let, do it, but I can't let go Yeah, of it. let's let the audience in and to look behind the curtain. <laughs> so, so at this point, we, we're, in, we're up to episode five. Um, and feel free, if we have done this before, to call us out and go, hey, I remember this from this time. Because um, <laughs> I am certain that we have done this. I'm we have never, we have, we have never, as far as we can find, posted um, our our thoughts on season four of The Next Generation. Um, and much like Crusher here, um, only we seem to be able to remember having ever discussed this because there's no evidence of this. Um, there are no audio files. There's nothing that we've ever, that, that's in any of our podcasts. Um, there's nothing that says we've ever talked about this before and yet but we totally we, have we we feel like we totally have and we can't tell if it's either because we've just discussed all of these in separate like podcasts about no i'm telling i know what i remember man okay um, so if we're either way, parallel universe where we did season four and only we remember then then that's what's up but i'm telling you we've done it just so because, like this. because we did it in in our parallel universe we're going to continue to do it for you the fans for you because we love you you get to join us and see what it's like on the other side in in like that episode um with, with Worf where with he's Worf. jumping yes um, uh, this parallels. happens to me all the time and maybe it's because i watch too much star trek i don't I know. know but like I'm serious. Like we had this this incident, and, and you're I gonna wake up, and you're not gonna be married to Mister A anymore. You're no, no, that Troy. never happens. And I'm gonna tell you why because we're no, married in every universe. Okay. No, no, no. It's yes, except for the one yes, where you're married no, to Counselor Troy. No. I'm sorry, you're married to Counselor. No, Troy. I'm not. I'm it's always. Yeah, I'm sorry. Always, sorry. always, always. It's and like a constant of the universe. I could show you the math, but that would be crazy. Like it would just really be <laughs> So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bore you with the math. But we're married in every universe. One thing but is like, the same no matter where we go. But anyway, like seriously though, we had there's this incident. Oh, well, and now, yeah, there. Sorry, Uber was making you sound like a transformer. Now uh, it's amazing. The universe. Let's just keep going. Uh, Doctor Crusher begins to question. You no, know, fine, whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> you don't want to hear about my universe breaking story. That's fine. I do. I do no, you don't. You clearly don't. We're only on episode five. <laughs> so fucking what? We're gonna be here forever because we're stuck in a time loop. Be, and we haven't figured it out. It's been, we're fucking up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, we we've decided to keep you on the air with us until the twenty fourth century, so we can watch this actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anyone has any ideas about how we break out of the time loop, feel free to email or post on our Facebook. Here, listen, listen. So like, we really want to figure this out, and clearly we're fucking up. Now I'm having deja vu about talking about this, because I'm going to say something that feels like I've said it before. It reminds me of Uncanny X-Men 204, where the Beyonder shows up and starts erasing people, and then only Rachel Summers uh, can remember them, and like Kitty Pride, And like, like, that's what's happening to Dr. Crusher. And look, man, I stole some of this for Ninjas versus Monsters. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. There is a plot point in Ninjas versus Monsters about everything being erased, maybe or maybe not, and only certain people get to remember. Yeah, yeah, 
I was influenced by this episode. I'll just come out and say it. Um, well, why wouldn't you? Uh, Dr. Crusher, you know, it's funny. She's not given a lot to do in this series. And you don't think of her as being a really good actress because she's not getting a time, getting a lot of time to like really act. Um, this episode shows that, yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. She's really good in this. She is. And it's, and it's a compelling episode. Like, it's really good. It's, you know, as I said before, it's a great fucking episode. <laughs> um, it's a thriller. Like we said before, many, many, <laughs> maybe many times. Maybe many times, because who knows how many shit. times we perform this shit. loop. We're, we're, we're like in that, yeah, we're in that episode. Right I'm now. telling we're, you, dude, we cause are. And effect. Um, <laughs> are we going to explode at the end of it? I hope we aren't, <laughs> but that's the only explanation for why we're still doing it. That's why I said, but episode if anybody has six. any ideas, like, let us know. Let's stop the explosion from happening. Episode six is called Rape Gangs. I'm sorry, Legacy. Um, the Enterprise I'm just so that didn't happen. <laughs> it sort of did. The Enterprise is caught in the middle of a civil war. When they no, let's seriously, if we're going to re-talk about Remember Me, let's actually re-talk about it. <laughs> no, we did. Are you so so it's it's really good. And and Crusher is really, it's really she, like She doesn't get to, I think it's one of those, it's a great episode. Because this is what we said before. Because um, it shows the the faith that they have in each other right like she pretty much is insisting that these people existed that no one else can remember right i love i love and her i love her, and her. Picard, i love her and picard at the end where, where she's like the ship can hold all these thousands of people but it's just you and me and it's yes. totally fine with yes. you this. Yes, yes, that makes does, total does, sense <laughs> does does that make sense to you well we've never needed anyone before well, <laughs> Like, like I, I just you're so with her on this trip. The like, fuck, what the dude? fuck is going on? But I love the moment when she asks the computer the nature of the universe, and he's like, "The universe is a sphere," and you're like, "Fuck, you're oh, done, oh, man. You're it's done. over. It's you know, over." Just start, just start jerking off because you don't have much time. Yeah, just, like just, just masturbate because go to town because like that's the best way to go out. What else? What else are you gonna do? Like, really? What is it's not like anyone will remember. And what if she did? And then at the end, and of that's, that's how they it. rescued her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! Because they do have several rescue and attempts, and she runs away from and them. It's her son. So, like, it's her it's son, right? Way. That's one of those moments. You see him without telling that story, like at Starfleet, being like, "No, guys, there was this time my mom was like trapped in a pocket universe, and, and she had a candle, and we were trying, <laughs> we were trying to rescue her, and." I swear to God, man, when we got to her, when we, when we got her back, she, she was masturbating, man. Like, oh, my gosh. It was like my eyes, my eyes. Can I tell you that I still listen to Delta Quadrant, and I, every once in a while they'll mention the sex with – now they're calling it the sex with candle episode. Um, and they will occasionally call us out and say, and say, <laughs> and say like, Trek off, or if something's really, like, gross, they'll go, they'll go Trek off would love that. So they. <laughs> um, awesome. So I, like I just that wanted. To, I love that. That's what we're associated with. <laughs> I actually feel very proud of my so, daughter. <laughs> so hello, hello Delta. Okay, um, moving on. Legacy or rape gangs. Um, the Enterprise is caught in the middle of a civil war when they encounter Tasha Yar's long lost sister Ishara. I don't know when I turned on this episode, but I I listened to a review on a podcast at one point where someone just said, "If I have to hear the fucking word rape gangs one more time." And it's kind of true because Tasha did talk about her planet. We're like, and then you were followed by the rape gangs. And in this one, she's like the rape gang. I don't know much about this episode. I know that they all have like, like, like motion detect or something like that. And 
They, See, when we talked about this last time, you totally remembered this episode. So. I did, yeah. Sorry, but that was like five loops ago. Well, um, get with the fucking program, dude. Now Come I'm just on. dealing. Now I'm just dealing all the wrong cards. You are. Um, You're fucking up. So it's an okay. Look, I think that the I think, I think she looks. I think it's a good episode because it shows the the way that like she, you know, uses their love of Tasha really to manipulate them. You know what I mean? And then it ultimately winds up. You know, changing her, I feel like, for the better in the end, in some way. You know, I think if I look ahead at the next few episodes, it's interesting because we're going to be talking about um, about a uh, warp and a son. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, Riker and and a prospective son. We're gonna, um, and it's not until like the next episode where we finally stop talking about family. So, like, if you start at the beginning, like it's family, brothers, suddenly human, remember me, which is all about like her connection to everyone and especially her son. Uh, now this is about, you know, Tasha's sister. It's interesting. It's all about familial relationships for a while here. And I think that's really an interesting thing to go. That is interesting. Cause I don't think we realized that the last time. Yeah. So that's okay. Good. They get it. I'm just <laughs> saying, I'm being serious. Um, Why do you think uh, it's like a bit I'm doing? I'm really wigging out over here, dude. I believe you. Um, <laughs> Uh, so when things are different, it makes me happy because I feel like we're making progress. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Legacy is an okay episode, but I really want to talk about the next one because the next one is fucking great. Um, Eleven five ninety is when it <coughs> aired. Um, reunion. Picard is asked to choose between two candidates to succeed the current chancellor, the Klingon, Klingon High Council, as the new ruler of the Empire. And Worf is disturbed by the unexpected news when he is paid by paid a visit by his former lover. It doesn't get much fucking better than actually it does later this season. But it this is amazing. <laughs> it's just, just like it doesn't get much. Well, actually, no, it totally does. Like well, it does. It does. It, <laughs> <laughs> but but it does in the follow up to this episode, which is later this season. Um, uh, th- like Picard, for reasons that only Rick Berman <laughs> could come up with, becomes the arbiter of succession. For I know, right? Emperor. It's one of those moments that we just accept because it's like we don't care. We really want to see. Like, this. let's you know, keep the in fact mind that it would be Picard. That makes no sense at all. But totally, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. is the captain of a starship with like seventeen hundred people on it. Like it's really, it's really like, like the, like, like the. If you took someone who is like as important as the combination of a captain of an air of aircraft carrier and the captain of a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, and you put them together, that's about how important <laughs> Picard is. <laughs> and I don't want to fault it because on DS Nine, you know, we've talked a lot before about how everyone's the most important member of their species on DS Nine for just coincidentally, yes, just like, happened to be like the the bartender's yeah. brother end up ruling all of Ferengi. Like that's like of course. Um, but it like is you sort of, but you but you just have to sort of accept it because like you meet Gowron for the first time uh in this with his crazy uh, eyes um you you see the death of Duras the death of Kalar the introduction of Alexander um the like lots of clean a lot of the stuff that you talk about the fact that it's like so like that next gen like part of why it's you know not as good for you as ds9 because it's so episodic and yet there's all these threads that we see that start here and that's the thing i like i i love and that's one of the reasons i love ds9 is because ds9 i feel um delves into all of this like like i think that the people who criticize ds9 and i've heard people criticize ds9 they go you you love Garon and the Klingons. Here's a whole season of them. You know, I, I like, and I even get that criticism of DS9. 
Like, like if if you love Garon, Garon's gonna be on seven episodes in a row now. You know, and I get why people who don't like that would not like that, but I love that. I love this shit. This is like an episode of DS9 for me. Um, this is this is incredible. Worf kills fight. Like, first of all, she dies, and then he meets his son, and then his son like I'm sorry, she dies. Kalar, uh huh, dies. She just she's dies. Mur- she's murdered. Right. I think that's Find an important not. distinction. I'm just saying. Like she, yeah, she, she dies, sounds like she passed quietly she, at night, she, and he's just sort of left with their side. She didn't yeah. just like die. She didn't have like an aneurysm or die of old age. She was fucking murdered, dude. And it's kind I of know. a big deal. <laughs> just well, saying. I mean, I and I love I love that that she thought it was a really great idea to bring Junior along for like, like for this, this con- particular situation the, the, this 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 contentious uh power struggle between the two highest rulers in the most violent race in the galaxy and we're gonna bring Junior along for it because what well, could go wrong? <laughs> she brought him so that he could meet his father. If I know, but all. like you you know maybe schedule two different trips. Don't do that. Don't do <laughs> like, that. Don't make it out like she's some kind of bad mom for bringing her son. No, 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 no. no. It's, a, it's a Star Trek trope. I mean, of course, uh, of course. They have, only... they have their families with them in space. Like they're that's like just par for the course. Uh, and and you, you know, actually sit there and go. Now, why would a, you do that? Like no, it's, it's, so it's, like, fun at, it's fun. It's fun to <laughs> laugh at. Again, the, the, the coincidence. Picard is the arbiter of succession in a situation brought to light by the, the Klingon ambassador who's kind of in charge of all this shit, who happens to have with her the security officers of the same ship's son with her. It's just, yeah, there are, it seem, makes the universe seem kind of small. Like, it does. Like, <laughs> like, 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 if I, I, live, I live in, like, we both live in suburbs of Washington, D.C., um, so let's choose a suburb that we don't live in. Let's say, let's say, uh, uh, Reston, Reston, it has, you know, a few thousand people, 10,000. It would not, it would not seem very likely that like you would have the, the head of security of, of a courthouse and the judge would know each other to the point where like the lawyer from out of town, it's it just like it's it's so implausible, and then you take it to a galactic st- scale to go. Yeah, yes, these are the only people ever that. Well, it's it's weird and bizarre. <laughs> the only but people that matter, dude. Yeah, I know. That's They're, what's like, up. Like only, really, only like regular 40, people can't fucking compete, so they only just stay like at home. Forty people, and Warp Warp was just like a security guy, and still, like like only like forty people. You know, in in the universe matter in the 24th century is what it comes down to. Yeah, um, which is just why everybody's out there, as we said so early on in our podcast, bettering themselves all the time. Because what the fuck are they going to do? Um, <laughs> how can you compete with that? <laughs> um, great episode. Moving on. Uh, uh, episode eight aired eleven twelve. I love when it's things are like eleven twelve. It's fun. Eleven twelve ninety. Um, on an away mission, Riker passes out from some toxic gas, and when he awakens, he is 16 years in the future. As the captain of the Enterprise, he is about to sign a peace treaty with the Romulans. Um, this is great too. Um, and it's and One it's of those more, great fuck with your head episodes. It's like, and it's only like three episodes, two episodes after three episodes after Remember Me. It's another one of those. Like we're just like you're like a mind like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I did and they the do future. it really well. Like Picard has a goatee. Um, everyone's kind of aged appropriately. Um, I love 
his moment. So he's got this moment at the end of the episode where he where he's figured it out and he starts quizzing everybody. And he goes to Data and he's like, how long is it going to take us to get there? How long is it? Oh, what about this? How many seconds? And Data's like, I'm processing. I can't figure it out. And then Picard tries to argue and they go, shut up. <laughs> yeah, he gets to have some fun by the end. They're like, I, I, I by no means think that Jonathan Frakes is the strongest actor on the show. He's not. He's, he's not great. The, he's, he's not the strong. Well, he's not the strongest. Because that would be I mean, everybody can be Patrick. That's not fair. He's not the second strongest. Why are you shaking your head at me? I'm not by here. Why don't you go ahead and go back to your little nappy nap instead of shaking your head at me? Wake he's up not, just to shake at me. He's not, up. he's not Brent Spiner, who's who's clearly the second strongest. Um, you know, he's Is like, he? he's he's like he's he's okay, but there's like he's so charismatic. Like you're so with him at the end when he goes, shut up. You can't help but enjoy yourself. Like, I don't just, know. I, I really, I think he really has some standout moments. I'm just saying. And this is don't get hung oh. up on that. Just don't get hung up on it. I'm not That's doing this. I'm not doing this with you right now. <laughs> Seriously. I don't know what's going on, but now Mr. you guys has are... got words. He's got he's got stuff. He's got two. He shakes his head at me like don't You're get hung up on about this shit. episode. No, about me trying to defend Riker because because you got you're drinking you're the hater. Not defending Riker, you're defending Jonathan Frakes. Or Jonathan Frakes? What the and fuck? And you don't ever? even need to defend him. It's not like Justin insulted the guy. Yeah, it is. Mister Ray is on the mic. <laughs> Hi, Mister A. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just say. If you had to rank the actors on the show from top to bottom, I don't think Riker's in the top three. He's not in the top three. Who is? Yeah, who's who's the third? We know who first, second is. Who's John, the third? Yeah, I mean, obviously Patrick Stewart. Yeah, everybody and knows he's Spiner. first. That's fine. And everyone knows Spiner's second. So Spiner, Spiner. He said yeah, Spiner's, Spiner's probably. All right, second. so uh, Levar uh, Burton's about as good. I'd say he's uh, better Worf. than Worf. Worf. Yeah, you're saying he's, but you're you're saying that Worf is better than Riker. Yes, absolutely. Worf yeah. is like so committed to his character. He's never out of character. Yeah. Jonathan Frakes is sometimes Jonathan Frakes. Except I cannot just do this Frakes. with you right now. Except, Absolutely. except, you know what? I will, I will say, and this is a bad comparison, but I'm, I'm by no means going to say that Jonathan Frakes is as good an actor as George Clooney. But George Clooney gets away with just being George Clooney most of the time in most of his movies. And yet he he's so he's so charismatic, you can't help but take the journey with him. And I will say this, that Jonathan Frakes is so charismatic, I can't help but take the journey with him. Um, and I would say there are episodes where he's not very good. The the one where he's like in the mental institution where he's trying to have, like clearly he's trying he's to have. He's great in that oh, episode. Yeah, what are you talking about? He's no, he's fine. He's fine in that episode. He's fantastic. He's tr- hear me out. He's trying to be great. He's trying to be really, really good. Oh, I would like episode. to submit suck a bag of dicks. I, I disagree with Justin. I think he is fantastic in that episode. He really is. He sh- that's, I, that's like, he brought it. But that's but that's an episode where he's really given something to bring. Usually well, the, he's just like the uh, the episode we're talking about. He is he's one. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. This episode, this episode that we're talking about right now, he's given he's given stuff and he brings it. 
It's right. The one where they're fuck this this up this episode too. Good. It's, it's, what I'm sad. saying though is what usually he's a not peek behind like, the curtain. It's, for it's not like he acts his pants off every fucking week. Acts his pants. What does that even look like? He actually acts with his pants <laughs> off. I don't, watch week. Patrick Stewart. He does it every week. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Riker. Riker has his pants off when he's when he's uh, actually he's the beard he got dyed and then sewn into pants. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm I mean, trying to envision now like Jonathan Frakes walking around his house in like a suit, like a whole like pajama set with like you know the footies and the ass flap that's just completely made out of Christmas beer. <laughs> like that came bayonetta. Do you remember with the woman and her costume was like made out of her hair? I am imagining oh, this whole thing. Like I'm Riker's imagining Riker's majestic beard suit. Beard suit. That's just- but he's got gotten it to, and he's gotten it like like dyed like like alpaca wool. Like he's gotten it dyed into like <laughs> into the Starfleet colors. Yeah. Like, so so he looks like he's walking around as Commander Riker from like the TV show too. So it's just like black on the bottom, red on the top. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and and he doesn't want to be seen in public like that. So he like when he gets dressed, he like gets puts a suit on over it. But underneath, <laughs> like like if he were to rip his shirt open like Superman, <laughs> underneath you would see a, a clearly. And because of what it's made out of, it would look it would look a little bit more like like a like a loosely woven sweater, like a loosely woven sweat version of the Starfleet universe made out of his made out of his beard, his beard hair. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Welcome to Trek <laughs> Right. Oh my goodness. Oh, I can't <laughs> okay. Okay. We're clearly not getting through the whole season, so we're gonna have no, to. No, we're really not. And it's because you should just look for the fucking file. No, we can't know this has gotten too good. I think we're like we're like we're going beneath the surface because <laughs> going beneath <laughs> Go to a whole other level. Yeah, let's. All right, moving on. Um, ha, good episode. He's in the future and he wears a beard suit. That's the plot of that that's, episode. That's the episode. Don't take our word for it. Watch it for yourselves. Eleven nineteen ninety. Final mission. Wesley must keep Captain Picard alive on the eve of his entrance exam to Starfleet Academy when their shuttle crashes on a barren moon. Can this is the can guy? Can, this is the one with the guy who's a dick, and it's like, dude, why are you such a dick? Hold on. Can I just say my favorite line in all of Star Trek? All of it? Here we go. All of it? Um, you better listen to Captain Picard. He's the one who's going to get us out of this alive. It's just the greatest. I could watch that on repeat. You know, it's so helpful to me that um, Will Wheaton has like disavowed Wesley Crusher. It makes it yeah. so much easier to make, to fun, just of make fun of Wesley Crusher. Because you know that Will Wheaton's with you. Like He's, he's like, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, he's like, yeah, totally. Um, there's a lot of this episode I really, really like, um, and even a lot, some of the Wesley stuff. Um, but there's, uh, there is, there's a, there are two things. There's one where he's like, okay, so yes, the plot is that that Picard gets injured and there's a dick and they crash on the planet and they need to find water and Wesley uses his big fat brain to figure it all out and he saves the day. Okay, so that's the episode. And, and uh, what I really feel like was lacking, honestly, I really like, I truly, I feel like. He says this a couple of times, but he doesn't really say it. And I feel like it would have been really validating if he had um, any number of times when the guy was being a dick. If instead of whatever line they wrote for him to be all Wesley and whiny, if he had, in fact, said, dude, why are you such a dick? Like, that would have been better. Suddenly, it's like the one episode they have to air after 11 because he's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) 
I mean, he's not even like that. He's just he just keeps asking that question every time the guy does some prick move. He's like, dude, why are you such a dick? No, but I, I'm just saying I would love it if, if Wesley just because this is his last episode. He's like the guy who's like burning his bridge as he's like put in his two weeks. <laughs> and, and he's just like, fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. You're cool. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm out. I'm out. Um, no, but like, like I just would love, like, it would be great if the guy, the guy was like, like, I'm gonna drink this vodka or whatever it is, space vodka that I have. And Picard, Picard's like, we need that as a coolant and antiseptic, and he's like, but it's mine. And if Wesley just walked him, like, dude, shut the fuck up. This was like, just like, grab that his dumb ass. This is like, and the, and, the, and the whole episode's changed because he like he won't back down. Like suddenly, instead of being like the guy who figures out with his brain, he just intimidates him. Like Wesley suddenly. <laughs> it's like, like, like it was uncom- one of those episodes that's really the opposite of what you're supposed to learn. It's no learning to be had here. It's really just an, you, an exercise you, in intimidation. What you've what you've learned is that no matter how much of a little baby whiner you were on the show, like if you get to your final episode, if you just yell "shut the fuck up" when somebody when somebody says something, you'll you'll win. You you just win. Right you'll there. get far in this universe. Shut the fuck. Up. so um um so that's then it's bye bye wesley and i think it's interesting because if you look at that final shot of all good things it's a shot of the seven of them sitting around the table and wesley was really a roddenberry creation wesley was he, he wanted to there to be a kid on the ship that represented like his dreams of going into space sometime sure um and and as an idea i like wesley but wesley's gone wesley's gone after you know? this well, not only was it gone after this, but you, like you totally don't miss him. Yeah, like, I really feel like you don't. Like you don't ever go, "Oh man, if only Wesley was here." Like, and neither do they. Like, I don't, don't think, even think about it. There's no episode where they're like, "If only Wesley was here." Like, and there's I, none of that. And I like Wesley as a character who recurs. Like, I don't mind when he shows up and has an episode here or there, like Hugh or like someone or like Tomalak or something who like shows up from time to time. But like when with him gone, you realize the show completely functioned without him. Oh yeah, like it's just completely unnecessary. Um, if so, moving on. Um, I, uh, we start out the the last episode of uh of nineteen ninety twelve thirty one New Year's Eve. By the way, who puts an episode out on New Year's Eve? Um, what else would you be doing on New Year's Eve? Because I don't know. My ass was watching Star Trek. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, I think, but since nobody does that, I think that's like them just going fuck you. That's we're, them we're, going like, "Fuck you! Your show's not good enough." They're they're in the height. Star Trek. They're, so they're guess the of next generation. We're bringing in the new year with our fucking shit because we rock, bitches. Like like by the time you get to Voyager and Enterprise, it's like, please watch us. Please, we'll yeah. do anything. We yeah. have the rock on this week. Really, watch us. <laughs> really, but, really, please. Could you but please? at this point, they're just like, "Fuck you, fuck you." New Year's Eve. You can watch the fight. In fact, we're gonna put it on. We're gonna start Star Trek at eleven forty-five p.m. <laughs> and we're never going to repeat it because you can either watch the fireworks or us that's it fuck you star trek boom star Drop trek boom yeah just a picture of like patrick stewart in uniform with a mic and he drops it and walks off go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> like says so like, like star trek <laughs> it's like just <laughs> over <laughs> yes um, and yet and yet this is a terrible 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 the worst one of the top t- 10 worst episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, The Loss. Troy loses her empathic abilities when the Enterprise is caught in a cloud of two-dimensional beings headed toward a cosmic string fragment. Now, I know I've talked about this episode in our previous loop because I've once I've said before, 
um, that if there's a, a, a book you can find, an old book called Captain's Logs, and it's about all of the original series episodes and all of the next-gen episodes, and then it has like written commentary by the people in, um, in the episode uh, who worked on it. And Jonathan Frakes said about this episode, and I quote, that was a real piece of shit, wasn't it? <laughs> um, wow. Tomb, one moon circles. Oh gosh! I can't yes. hear you. I can't. What are you what trying are you to tell me? What are you I trying to say? And then it's it's her dreaming and doing that, and then and then also her like whining to everyone about how I don't. I want to be relieved of my duties because I don't. You can't know what you're feeling. But I look at you. <laughs> I know. I hate this. This is one of those times where they definitely. How am fall. I supposed to know if the person on the view screen is lying? <laughs> How am I supposed to know if the person is sitting next to me that I'm supposed to be giving therapy to is lying? They're on the view screen and they're twirling a mustache and they, their facial features look like they want to kill us, but they say they're. But friends. I don't. But they say they're our friends, and I just can't tell. How can I time. be sure? <laughs> It says one of those times. Like, I was just watching an episode of Enterprise. It's the one that where Yoshi is like particularly. Yoshi, like, Yoshi is Mario's I'm friend. I'm calling her Yoshi <laughs> for a reason because she should be running around eating up little vegetables and spitting them out her ass or something. Because I can't even. She like it's the one episode where she just whines constantly, and it's like, why do they do this to, to women in Star Trek? It makes me so bad. Like she's, she's the same a, she. Way. I She's used like, to the. I'm scared of space. I can't sleep unless the stars are going the right way. I don't want to put on a spacesuit in space. Like I just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just she's so whiny, and it's like seriously, go back to eating mushrooms and hopping on little turtles and whatever, because clearly, don't you know that in, that that women can o- women on Enterprise, uh, and really in much of Star Trek, can only either be really whiny. Or really bitchy. Those are the they choices. Can't, that's what I'm saying. Like that really bothers me. This on Enterprise, that's the only choice. Just, on it, but even in this, like this is the, this is one of those moments. That they, that's what they do. They turn her into just whiny. Like I can't do anything without my powers because I'm a woman. But that's Troy, it makes I, me so bad. By season seven, Troy's awesome, and Crusher's often often awesome, and DS9 women are awesome, and really a lot of the women on Voyager are awesome. So no, I can't do that with you. No. Yeah, I think I think that that I will agree with you that ne- I would say that 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 the original series is the worst to women. But that's because it's the '60s and you just got to deal with yeah, the that, ground. I feel like that's the ground that they were because, breaking. Yeah, they were breaking ground then, and it was a law. It was an uphill battle, and there was you know what I mean. There's only so much they can next get gen. With. Next gen is in my opinion. But... Next gen is the worst offender because they had two women characters and they're both in caregiver roles. And you then know, they right. and they largely underutilize them and like a, things like this a, to them where they make them whiny or they have them raped or one's a doctor I mean? one's a doctor who one's a doctor who's also a dancer and one's an empath who loves chocolate you yeah know, like just, I, and then you get to DS nine it's like fucking I'm a terrorist fuck you <laughs> and, fuck and you even and for and and even and even on even on Voyager you get you know Janeway's cool some of the times Belana's cool some of the time D- Seven's good cool most of the time yeah Kess Seven's is, cool most of the time Kess is whiny some like Kess is whiny is, a lot of the time yeah but like Voyager does okay and then you get to you get to Enterprise and Enterprise is is again back to back to really square one I mean I would say back to original series except they don't have the 60s to excuse them they don't they like don't. Eh. yeah. 
Anyway, moving on. Um, we don't want to spend too much time on the loss because um, I'm at a loss for words for how shitty that is. Here's a fun one. Data's Day, 1791-1991, a Vulcan ambassador being escorted by the Enterprise starts exhibiting suspicious behavior. And at the same time, Miles O'Brien marries his fiance, Keiko, the most hated character on Deep Space Nine. In Stop 10 it. Forward. We're not doing this. No, she's not. Stop it. On DS9? She is on not the most gen, hated character. On next Stop gen, it. I like her. On next gen, I like her. I like her. Except not in this episode. She's kind of she's kind of impossible in this episode. She cancels the wedding. And then she doesn't. And then she does. Are this fucking episode is just shitty. A lot of it's good. I like the data talk. I like data. I like like the well, going this is to the one of those times where they just they make they paint her as this complete like she's a woman, so she's completely irrational. And it's like fuck you. Like there's no excuse for this right now. Like you're I'll just you pissing me off. Like she's not this shitty. Like she just isn't. And and she I is feel often she's often this shitty on DS9. No, she's not. She's oh, she's not often this shitty. Oh, watch DS9. I she's watch it. We, me, me and Mr. A talk about it a lot because he's like, no, nah, that's anytime, Justin. Anytime Keiko's on screen, she's like, see, why is Justin such a dick? If what she's saying is Miles instead of Justin, I'll agree with you because she just, she picks on that poor, on, the, on that guy she constantly. She not. Like you are just you have Except, you have Heiko eight, and I'm not really sure why. I have Heiko. Sure, uh, you have Heiko. Yes, you have Heiko. <laughs> I will say this: there's a there's a section of DS9 where she's okay, and it's when uh when um Kira is is pregnant with her with, with her kid, um, uh-huh. um and maybe it's because you're spending more time because Kira's a main character, and so you're spending more time in the in the O'Brien house, so you get to see her more often, and and she is not a foil for Bashir um, or not for, for Bashir, but for O'Brien, she's often the foil. She's, she's more of, of, you know, because he's the main character. She is, she is to O'Brien. What maybe Shakar would be to, to uh, what's fucking like Kira, Kira, to Kira. Thank sure. you. Um, she is, she is causing distress to O'Brien. It's the only time you show her because the distress is what's the drama and O'Brien is always the secondary story. Like it's really rare that O'Brien's the primary story. When O'Brien's the primary story, she's okay. Like when O'Brien's going through his um his fucking like imprisonment at the yeah. uh, Cardassia, she's great in that episode. Yeah. And she's a really good actress because like when she gets possessed and she's evil, Oh yeah, it's great. She's it's like, she shows her chops that she's like really, oh, yeah. really good. Um it's so I'm not, I'm, I'm not slamming a lot. I'm not slamming her as an actress, and I'm saying there's a whole lot of of like like you want to eat that? That's so heavy. You want to do that? Uh, uh, she's just shrewish a lot of the time, and I and I feel like it starts here on Data's Day, and I'm sure that she is an actress who I think she was in like the Joy Luck Club or something. Yeah, like, I, like, she, I feel like this had to suck for her because like she seriously this episode she's ridiculous. Because I know I know I know she shows up in that um, Robin Williams Afterlife film. Um, oh fuck, it's the one where he like goes to hell to save his wife um oh what dreams may come yeah i know that she's in that she's like like the incarnation of his daughter or something yes um mm-hmm. and and she's really a good actress so i'm not slamming her as an actress but keiko is a character i find impossible and i think it starts here but ignoring the keiko stuff i love that this is an episode that is narrated by data um and it's really interesting because it really shows them it's a bottle episode right there's no budget to this episode it's like they're walking around the sets. That's what, like, from a yeah. production standpoint, that's all they're doing. So, like, they go to the barber. I love it. They're choosing wedding gifts. I love it. I love that stuff. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, the, it's even well, and, and him be, him being interested in in the way that humans interact and in in studying that and trying to be a part of it and stuff. Like, I love that stuff. I, really I love do. him. I, I just, love him learning to dance. I love that. Like, Crusher's teaching him to dance, and he gets it, and he gets it, and he gets it, and he gets it for anything that's like choreography, like like performance dance. He's immediately the best, and yet he can't master just basically doing like like homecoming dance dancing yeah you can't do it it's got too many variables and his smile when he when he's told to smile like, yeah oh it's so sweet yeah um everything home. about i don't like much about keiko in this episode and really the whole wedding there's nothing to like about her it's it's like they make her really shitty in this episode and it makes me mad it's one of those ones that just makes me like mad on behalf of women everywhere because like no woman's that bitchy like why would anyone want to marry her like come but, on but data's awesome, so I'll average it out. Um, a lot of people like it, probably for data. I'll I'll give it yeah. a slightly lower. For data, score. it's good. Um, okay, so this is gonna be the last uh, last episode for this uh, for this roundup. But hey, uh, in in just like a, a week or ten days' time, you can listen to the second half of us talking about season four, which will be the second time we've done it for us. Um, uh, but for uh, to round Third us out for this point, <laughs> to round us out for this one. Um, uh, I might not dig uh, Keiko or really O'Brien, who's also really reactionary in Data's Day, but boy, oh boy, do I love O'Brien in the next episode. The Wounded, a Federation captain has destroyed a Cardassian space science station, hails to the captain's vessel, have been ignored with the Treaty of Peace in place for over a year. Captain Picard must exercise di- diplomacy by stopping the renegade ship before its commander's actions lead to war. This is amazing. This is like like having a renegade Starfleet captain running around uh, fucking blowing up Cardassians um, and, and O'Brien's connection to him and his racism toward Cardassians. I think it's really, really, I mean, it's got that great. I don't hate you. Be, I don't hate you uh, because of, because of what you did Cardassian. I hate you because of what like you made me become. I mean, it's yeah. great shit. It's, it's, it's very, it's one of those really deep episodes that like what, makes you think. And then when they when they beam him over to the other captains and they start singing like the old war shanty, like like that, it's just so shot. It's shot so gorgeously. And maybe I like it because it's like it's an episode of DS Nine. <laughs> <laughs> like like this might as well be Cisco and his old friend who joined the Maquis. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, or, in or a lot of ways. Be, or, or it could be, you know, on uh, on Voyager when they run into that other ship and can't can't the captain's on there, Captain Ransom, and he's doing bad things and like you, he, the, I like the Starfleet captain goes wrong. They do that a lot on the original series too. Like I love the idea of you know this is a perfect world and humans are mostly good, but occasionally one goes bad and we got yeah, deal but with like it. people, yeah, unfortunately, like human nature is such that like we gotta we have to work on it all the time you know what i mean like we're not actually there yet like we're still a work in progress and there are still people who are dicks and like you're, well, just like, oh, you're such a dick it's just except like, you're this with this, you're with this guy to a point because he's like he's you know of yeah, course I, mean, I feel still- like that they make it so that you're with them to, to all of them to a point you know what i mean like you get of course he of course he's still racing against Cardassian. like it would be really hard like i i get why it's difficult for people who fought in the vietnam war to suddenly like be okay with vietnamese people like I get, I just have you seen Fury? Have you seen no, the movie Fury? No, it's a tough no. watch. It's yeah. really, it's really violent. I mean, it's like it's it's not that great a film. Um, 
but it's worth watching for for the horrible things that everybody has to do because everybody does horrible horrible things but it's very easy to understand why someone walking out of world war ii would have a problem then suddenly being friends with a german person because yeah. your job was to kill them you killed them you saw one you killed one that's what yeah. you did and now you have to be friends and this guy is like unable to do it even though he's starfleet and yes, mm -hmm. he does have legitimate concerns. His concerns are like, what's interesting is at the end, everything he says is happening is absolutely right. He is right that the Cardiac the Cardassians are up to some shit. Yeah. Like he's right, but he's still wrong. Yeah, he's right. But he's like, they do that a lot on Star Trek. And that's when it really shines, you know, when, when, when someone's right, but they're still wrong. And it's like, it's, it, it just, it, it's the intricacy of that. Yeah, that I love that they like, just really go through love. the right fucking channels. We would have listened to you, dude. Yeah. Like there was a way to do this and that's not what you did, you know, like, and you knew that you could have, but you were too wrapped up in your own shit. You know, you were too busy having an emotional reaction of, you know, and, and that's what's led us here. Um, great episode. And again, a lot of leading into DS9. I know DS9 premiered in 92. So I wonder if they're laying the groundwork. For the Cardassians and stuff. Yeah, for DS9, yeah, and, and, you know. I mean, that up. seems likely because, I mean, I feel like you needed, it gives you something to sort of they start took, with. They took for fucking ever building up the Maquis leading into Voyager. So I think that, like, they, they're laying, because the, you hadn't really heard of the, the Cardassians all that much before this. No, you um, really hadn't. Here's a preview of what you're going to get next episode. Uh, the devil shows up and uh, Data lies to the crew and uh Fucking Leah Brahm shows up again, and then there's some not that great episodes. And Barkley gets super smart, uh, and then eventually the Klingons show up, and then we see the return of Tashiar at the very, very last moments of the season. And we're going to talk all about it in the next episode of Trek Off. Uh, thank you for joining us. For those of you who may have heard this before, thank you. Uh, I'm happy to know that with the Riker suit, we have given you something new. Um, <laughs> that there's at least some stuff that you can. So, um, so uh, join us next week on on uh, Trek Off. Uh, but for now, my name is Justin. <laughs> my name is Alexia. Trek Off. Trek Off, bitches. So you just finished the episode, and you're like, "Hey, that was fun. I'd like more Trek Off to put in my ear hole, to put into my brain part." Well, that's really easy. All you got to do is go to trekoffpodcast.com. There's over a hundred hours of Trek Off. It's free. Just go there, trekoffpodcast.com, or search iTunes or whatever pod feed you use, or trekoffpodcast.com. That's really easy. You can also like us on Facebook, where you'll hear information about everything that we do. Like us there, especially hearing about trekoffmovie.com. That's our movie. We're making a movie based on this. The trailer's there. Links are there. TrekOffMovie.com, TrekOffPodcast.com. Thank you for listening and Trek Off.